Welcome to Postcards from the Bush with Robin McConkie. It's a podcast about the nuts and bolts of life in rural Australia. The good, the bad and the beautiful. The rural doctor shortage in the bush has no quick fix, but the National Rural Health Commissioner, Ruth Stewart, is on the job. As Commissioner, she provides the Minister responsible for rural health with strategic policy advice to improve the health system for the one in four Australians who live outside metropolitan areas. Ruth grew up in country Victoria and married a fellow doctor, Anthony Brown. She worked as a rural generalist for 30 years in rural and remote Australia. A rural generalist is a GP with advanced skills in areas like obstetrics, emergency or paediatrics. Ruth has delivered hundreds of babies over the years. She's treated life-threatening injuries and understands the challenges facing people living in rural and remote areas. It's a profession she loves and she wants more country students, especially girls, to consider becoming rural doctors. Her message is, you can if you want to. I very clearly remember being told, people like you don't become doctors. And it was because I was a girl and because I was from the country. And I have always been the kind of person, you can't say that to me, but I want to give a message to any young young person out there um and let's just but let's face it girls are much more likely than boys to be told they can't do things i want to give them the message you can you want to you can you just need to find people to help you find the path so i try and be someone uh, who can help people find the path but also to celebrate the achievements i think young people you know sometimes aren't told about the good stuff they've done and they just compare themselves to other highly experienced people around them and think oh I'll never achieve that you know you see young people doing brilliant stuff and some of them are are bursting with confidence Mm -hmm. to be honest some of those ones are the ones I'm more worried about and then there are others who who are checking themselves and wondering whether they're those are the ones I want to give the message. You can. You did a really good job. That was great. That was really good. You know, putting it in perspective, I'll also go, you know, you know, when you started talking about this, I'd really like to hear a lot more of that, of you exploring that kind of thing. And when you tried that strategy, that was really successful. Mm. I'd really like to see you do more of that. Uh, in medical education, we talk very much about working with the positive and really make sure that the positive stuff you say is very directed and be really careful um, before you say anything negative that it's that it's not said negatively but it's couched in a way of here is I could see that you were struggling with this here's some strategies to help you work with that that's a much better way than saying you know from a very young age you wanted to be a doctor explain (laughs) I it's it's hard to explain. Um, when I look back at you know tiny little Ruth, I was fascinated by the way the doctors in our town understood things inside us, understood the way we worked, mm-hmm. our bodies worked, and I I really wanted to be like that. I think if I'm totally frank, I also liked the respect they had in the community. 
and I thought I'd like to be able to be somebody like that in the community. Isn't it tough being a doctor in the country town? Um, you know the secrets. Oh, you do, yes. You know the secrets of the whole community. But it's a wonderful privilege. It, like any privilege, you have to handle that very carefully. Yes, you know you know people's secrets and you can help people recover from things. You can help people overcome um, or just put things to bed and move on. As a rural doctor, you're not just dealing with you know, one part of a person's life. You deal with all of it. So I have so many stories of, of my time in, in rural practice, but most of them are around being that engagement in somebody's life and then seeing how it unfolds and how they have been through a tough time, say, and find some resolution and move on. Now that you know, some of those stories don't end up with a person living a long life. Um, but, you know, some of them are about them dying well, you know, when, when you can't save a person's life. People who, for the rest of the world, are really unimportant, but they are them and their life is important and and they find some self-respect mm-hmm. after a life of not having that, not being given respect by anybody. Is it difficult to be a rural doctor? Is it very hard to get into medicine? Because my thoughts are that is one of the most difficult courses in Australia to get into. Uh, yes, it is one of the most difficult courses uh, to get into, but there are lots of people who do get into it. Yeah. Um, if you're from the country these days, uh, uh, medical medical schools have an expectation to... Um, to admit um, up uh, around 25% of their student cohort should be of rural origin. And so if you're from a rural school, you don't need as high marks as you do. And that's not, that's not because rural students are dumber. It's just that we know that rural students don't get as high marks as urban students. Bring them into the university... Um, and within two years they'll be getting equal marks to their peers who went to urban schools. So we recognise that and allow um, rural students to come in with lower marks. Um, I think we can do better in supporting them because there are so many hurdles you have to um, overcome to get into medical school if you're from a rural community. Uh, The fact that there are now... A number of universities that are are actually in regional towns that have medical schools in regional towns. That's that's a great bonus. I remember <clears throat> a couple of um, you know compatriots in my first year of medicine at Melbourne Uni who were from you know small towns and really struggled. Suddenly arriving in Melbourne, suddenly arriving in this very elite atmosphere, and just feeling that they absolutely didn't fit in and my you know I can still name uh, um, you know but what's different today from then uh 
that there are now there are more rural students in um, medical schools. There are so there's a bigger cohort and more peers. There are rural um, health student networks, so you know formalised support structures, and uh, there's a lot more opportunity to study in rural communities. Mm-hmm. So you know um, you take you take a group of students. Um, from an urban medical school, take them to a rural community. It's the rural students who will shine in that community, and and you know that that's that's an opportunity for rural students to go. You know, yeah, I can do this. I can really do this. What is the pathway from Coopy High School to um, rural generalist? Okay, so uh, you do need to focus on the sciences. So you need to have science, uh, chemistry, mathematics. It's good to have physics if if you know you um, if you can do that, and um, you need to really focus on those. There's a good reason to do it. It's called getting into medicine, and you need to find find people who can tutor you. If you don't have teachers at the school who help you set that goal and aim for it there will be other people in your community who could help you get there Mm. find them people uh, will be keen to help if you're if you go to them and say this is what my goal is for the girl in Quilpie I'd say you know you will find it that you're the kind of student that James Cook University is looking for and oh, did you know that um, the University of Queensland is now setting up a medical program based in Toowoomba and the southwest? And you are the kind of student they'll be looking for. So you need to know that this exists. Don't believe the crap that the best schools are the big urban schools. The best schools are the ones that you feel comfortable with and can finish the course in then, you know, you you can do anything you want to. I want to see you as a rural generalist doctor, though. And if you don't live in Queensland, there are colleges and and places that rural generalists can train in Western Australia, in South Australia, in other states. Yes, that's right. The Australian government funds a program called Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Program, which funds rural clinical schools of, I think there are now... 21 rural clinical schools across Australia. So those are for medical schools that have a campus in a regional rural community and you can do some of your clinical training and increasingly some of your preclinical training there. Mm-hmm. The whole point of those is to help you um, settle into the life of a rural community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that communities are becoming more aware about supporting their their local GPs, their new professionals coming into town? Every community has a different feel, and there are some that are super supportive, and you know the some of the most beautiful stories of doctors arriving in communities and being worried that because they're you know maybe they're Vietnamese speak with a different accent, Indian, you know, a bit like the Biloela story. Some communities will just take people, if they see that somebody is dedicated to their community, they will absolutely take them to heart. 
I've had medical students come to me and say, I really want to be a rural doctor, but I'm gay or lesbian or you know trans, and I'm really worried that I won't fit in. And I've been able to tell them beautiful stories of um, of gay, lesbian, trans um, doctors working in rural communities, absolutely loved and supported by their communities. The really important thing: rural people don't don't accept bullshit, you know. And if if you try and pretend to be something different to what you are, they smell it very quickly and they don't trust you. But if you come into the community and you're genuine, they respect that. Well, that's really what Auntie and I have always done. Just, you know, this is us. We ride our bikes. We, we're just us. And we'll be in the local theatre company. We'll, you know, just we'll be ourselves. And we won't try and fit in with somebody else's idea of what a doctor should be. We'll just, you know, I'm a doctor and I'm me. And if you go into a community with that approach, um, A, you'll be much happier because you're comfortable in your own skin, but also um, the community will support you as that person. Yeah. Ruth Stewart, the National Rural Health Commissioner, is our guest today. Over her 35 years as a GP generalist with advanced skills in obstetrics, she and husband Tony have worked from country Victoria to some of the most remote areas of Australia. Always an activist, Ruth has worked in medical educations, run hospitals and lobbied as President of the Australian College of Rural and Remote Medicine. You're listening to Postcards from the Bush with Robin McConkie. To me, it's long, it's hard. There are many, many stages in your career. The rewards sometimes are fabulous, but the challenges and the setbacks can be huge. I mean, how do you navigate being a rural doctor? You've got to love what you're doing. So, What did you love about it? I loved most things about it. It didn't, um, you know, people will often focus on the hard work. A, A bit of hard work has never bothered me. I loved, to be honest, I think I've probably got ADHD. I I get bored very, very easily. And I loved the fact that, you know, you'd you'd go to work, you'd start the working day in the hospital, seeing patients in the hospital. And so you were seeing, you know, really sick people managing, you know, deciding what their management would be in the hospital. And then you'd go down to the clinic and you, you know, maybe your first patient would be, I'm a GP obstetrician, so maybe the first patient would be a um, a young woman, you know, I've missed my period, am I pregnant? Um, the next one would be, um, you know, somebody maybe just some scripts, then you'd have, you know, a kid coming in limping, you know, whoops, uh, looks like you've got a fracture there, you know, and you'd manage that. And, you know, Monday mornings in Camperdown, uh, Back in the day, we had an abattoir in town. Monday morning, a lot of the workers uh, got cuts. So, you know, you'd have these horrible lacerations that you'd have to suture up. Um, I just enjoyed, yeah, that whole range of doing, you know, the, the unpredictability of it. And yeah, just... Maybe that would appeal to younger people who want to change. They want, they want a, re- a reward or a response, you know, pretty spontaneously. 
Yeah, there's um, been some study looking at um, the personality types of people who, who are rural doctors and they find that they get bored easily. But also they are less risk averse. So you walk into a situation and you start thinking about how can I resolve this? How can I, you know, what, what's the way I'm going to manage this risky scenario rather than going, oh, this is really risky, I'm out of here. And also adventure, the attitude. Oh, this is exciting. Had a conversation with a, a rural GP who didn't go on and do an advanced skill or become a rural generalist. And she was saying to me, you know, when I was a junior doctor, um, we had one night and described a particular clinical situation that they solved, you know. And and she said we worked all night and got that kid transferred down to Brisbane. And she said, and I finished that thinking I'm not going to be a rural, you know, rural generalist. This is not the work. And I said, ah, there's a difference. At the end of that night, I would have been going, yes, we saved a life. Yes, that was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and to be honest, I did that plenty of times, you know, just I can remember the exhilaration of going home thinking that could have been really nasty, but I was there and I was actually the doctor who made the difference. Wow, what a privilege. How awesome is that? Do you crave recognition for that in the in the local community? Uh, oh, you, you know, you have to be honest yeah. that there are times when you, yeah. you know, you go along to something and they're saying oh, you know, this happened, this person, you know, got back and you're sitting there thinking, yeah, well, they wouldn't have done it if I hadn't yeah. have been there. But it's not about it's not about the doctor, it's about the person. I'm concerned about these 14-year-old girls and and, and wanting to do medicine. Now, I'm, you, you've got a classroom, we're in Quilpie, classroom of kids. You're trying to sell the profession. Why should they do medicine? Okay, if you want a job where you know every day that you're making a difference, medicine is a really good one. Now, given that rural and remote Australians have um, a shorter lifespan, a heavier burden of disease um, than uh, their urban colleagues, if you're wanting to make a difference, the place where you can really make a difference is rural and remote Australia. People living in remote Australia... Uh, especially if they are Indigenous, die 20 years earlier. 20 years. So that's the difference between your grandmother um, seeing you born and maybe you know reaching your mid-teens to her seeing you and your children and uh, your children starting school. So if the grandmothers and grandfathers of rural and remote Australia lived their full life, they'd see the next generations coming through. That's not happening at the moment. But you're playing on kids' consciences there. You're saying you, you're needed, be worthy. What are they going to get out of it? I can remember when I got into much more into education work. Mm. So I was spending three days a week teaching and organising within the medical school and two days a week doing clinical work. I began to feel a bit guilty. You walk into the clinic and people are just so grateful for everything you do. I don't know of anything else that I've ever done in my life where I've had so many people thanking me. If you become a rural doctor, 
you get into bed at night and you know that you've made a difference every day. Even on the bad days, you know you've made a difference. But it's pretty challenging when you're up in outback Queensland or you're on Thursday Island or you're in arid parts of Australia when you sort of feel like you're on your own. Um, the reality is that uh, you, you're very, very rarely on your own. Even on the days when I felt most isolated, there was always someone there. Um, and sometimes that, sometimes there was really strong support, but at the end of a telephone. So uh, some of the rhetoric about doctors working on their own is, is uh, pretty disrespectful of the rest of the team because wherever there's a doctor, there'll be a number of nurses. And, uh, you know, some of those rural and remote nurses are extremely, um, extremely uh, experienced and, you know, can teach, can teach you so much. What do you get as a doctor out of the work? You get to know that you are making a difference every single day with every single patient. It's a bit like that, you know, walking along the beach, throwing the starfish or jellyfish or whatever back into the into the sea and people being asked why are you doing that there's hundreds of jellyfish on the beach and you're just throwing one at a time Mm. yeah well it makes a difference for that one jellyfish and and as a well that's probably a good analogy as to why I'm rural health commissioner as a doctor you are looking after each person one after another um and why am I in um, why am I no longer doing clinical work and why am I a National Rural Health Commissioner? Because I'm trying to fix a system that means that the jellyfish will end up on the beach in the first place. Ruth Stewart always has her eye on the ball as the National Rural Health Commissioner. She works closely with key stakeholders in rural and remote health across the country. She provides strategic policy advice to the Minister responsible for rural health and the Department of Health. You're listening to Postcards from the Bush with Robin McConkie. Forever I've heard there's a shortage of rural doctors in uh, country Australia. How much is it the fact that young people who are in the country haven't aspired to be rural doctors or gov- is it government failure or is it lack of community support? Look, I think if it was one thing, we would have sold it a long time ago. Um, I think that there was, you know, really this issue um, became an issue during the late 1980s, early 90s, um, and it's just been getting worse since then. Um I can list the, the factors that I think influenced were there was a um, an increase in the the, uh, the cost of um, indemnity insurance. So doctors being, say, GP obstetricians or you know, or GP anaesthetists needed to spend a lot more on indemnity insurance. In some jurisdictions in Australia, the state government supported rural doctors who were doing procedural work. In others, they didn't. And in those um, states, there was a marked drop in um, in rural doctors doing procedural work as a result of that. I think there were changes to general practice training and um, standards were put in place and for a good 15 years, those standards didn't meet the requirements for 
um, rural generalism so that uh, general practitioners in training weren't being taught the skills to be GP rural generalists. Um, there is an increasing, and internationally um, this is happening, an increasing push to subspecialisation. To be a subspecialist, for example, um, a uh, an orthopaedic surgeon who specialises in um, in hands, you can only do that in a big city. Um, in rural communities, we need generalists, and um, the generalists are not being recognised as as a valuable part of the medical team at present. And I think also uh, the increasing urbanisation of Australia, all of these things have come together to mean that those privileged uh, people who graduate from a medical course are less likely these days than they were to want to practice in in a rural community but but um, we've had 25 years of investment by the Australian government in um, in trying to turn that around and Australia really has led the way we as Australians are used to saying well somebody must have come up with a good idea on this let's see what we you know what we can see internationally when it comes to rural medical education, uh, Australia leads the way. So, you know, every now and again, someone comes up with a bright idea that we should see what's being done internationally on um, medical education, and what's being done internationally is uh, only um, is copying what we're doing here. But why do we still hear all the time a shortage of rural doctors, closure of services, inequity in access? You can't fix a broken system by throwing money at it. These are all comments that you hear frequently, and many of them are from you. Yeah, that's right, yeah, because I'm trying to get the policies changed. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a pretty good idea of what we need. We need um, a clear training pathway to a set of skills that that we call rural generalism. Mm -hmm. We know that the best predictor of a rural doctor is um, a rural student enrolled in a university that gives them frequent, early and well-supported exposure to the rural clinical environment, uh, gives them a, a explicit rural medical curriculum content and um, also uh, gives them a line of sight to a job in a rural community. Mm-hmm. And those jobs need to be um, you know a viable job where you're paid for the skill that you're exercising we thought for a long time that it was if we fixed the undergraduate medical training we'd fix the problem Um, we really have gone a long way to fixing the undergraduate problem we now have 35 percent of the um uh, graduates of Australian medical schools saying that they're interested in working in rural Australia, but that's far more than ever actually become rural doctors. We know that it has a really big impact on a young doctor's future uh, site of work. The The site of their internship really influences and that's after they graduate, where they're going to do their residency, so to speak. Yes, that's right. James Cook University really um, has led the way in Australia in 
showing how you can create an undergraduate course that creates rural doctors. Um, but when you look at the James Cook Uni cohort of um, new grads, if they do their internship in um, in a big city uh, that cuts by 60% the number of them who will become rural doctors. But can the country hospitals afford to have residents and give them ongoing training that's going to further their career? They've already spent six years as a, an undergraduate. So, so really the, the training that you're talking about is the work mm. with... with um, the work that's needed, but with uh, senior um, colleagues who support them. So yes, it's possible, uh, but um, the this needs combined policy work by both state um, and federal departments of health. One of our issues is that it's um, the hospitals are run by by the states and. Um, we've used junior doctors as the workhorses for the hospitals. Overwork and underpaid. Yeah, and but also, um, you know, the the big hospitals soak, soak up, uh, you know, the vast majority of um, graduates. And to be honest, in an activity-based funding system, would soak up any number of junior doctors that you sent. To them, they can create more work, bring in more money for the hospital, create more work, bring in more money. There has been a national medical workforce strategy published um, just last year that uh, argues very forcefully that we need to, in our training of doctors, we need to be cognizant of the workforce that we need in the future, not just the workforce that we need right now. And they really call for generalism. Um, and and so, what do you mean by generalism? Okay, it's it's not subspecialising. The largest group of generalists are general practitioners. Now you've heard me talk about rural generalists. Rural generalists are as a subgroup of of general practitioners who have the broadest scope of practice. So they work in primary care in the community, and in hospital care, providing emergency and. Uh, one or more areas of advanced skill that in a, um, in an urban centre might be provided by a specialist. For example, I've said that I'm a rural journalist and at other times during this interview I've described myself as a GP obstetrician. So technically I'm a rural journalist with an advanced skill in obstetrics. And when I say an advanced skill in obstetrics, I can care for a woman from... Um, the moment she decides that she wants to become pregnant or finds that she is pregnant um, until she's taking um, a well baby home. And if she needs a caesarean section, I can do that. If there's catastrophic bleeding, I can respond to that. If everything goes normally, I stand at the, at the outside the, um, the birth suite and smile and uh, wave and um, crack jokes. You know, and the midwife does all the hard work. Yeah. Can you get that training while you're working in a country town? Yes, yes that's right. You can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so the the one of the um, the th I think probably you've put your finger on um, a, a really active um, issue. Uh, where where is the best place to get that advanced skills training? 
Um, and we know that where you train in a skill uh, will go a long way to defining where you work with that skill. And traditionally, the um, for rural generalists, you do your obstetric or anaesthetic or surgical or emergency training in a big centre and then take that rurally. You know, but that can cause problems. So I did my obstetric training in Glasgow. My husband and I both did our obstetric training in Glasgow. And I can remember very clearly having a, a stand-up argument with a registrar in in um, in the theatre in this very high-level hospital in Glasgow with her saying, but you're going to be a GP. I don't see why, why you should be doing... Um, uh, why well, you should be doing caesarean sections. And I said, I don't care whether you see it wide or not, but in six months I'm going to be in a town where if I can't do the caesarean section, babies might die. I might have been slightly exaggerating that. But I had to absolutely argue, and I you know, said babies might die because that's always the way to win an argument with in, in medicine. Babies might die. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> but... Um, they didn't understand. Yeah. yeah, and it was only because I, ha- I had a very clear view of where I was going. We, by this time, knew that we wanted to work in Camperdown in southwest Victoria and, and that we would be working as a team with other GPs, some of them um, with GP anaesthetics, some others with GP obstetrics, and we would need to take our turn on the roster and we would need to be able to do the caesarean section to you know, hold up our end of the deal. Yeah. Yeah, and and I was not going to put up with the thing that you know my husband could do a cesarean, but I had to, I'd have to call him in to do a cesarean section. No, I wasn't having any of that. Ruth Stewart, as the um, second National Rural Health Commissioner, you have been reappointed for a, um, a second term, so that'll take you for another couple of years. What do you see as the real challenges now for rural and regional Australia? Getting the workforce that we need and supporting the workforce that's there. That, that's a challenge. And that's not just doctors, but that's nurses, allied health, indigenous health. It's across the spectrum. Yes. Um, I'm a doctor. Uh, doctors tend to be the loudest, noisiest, taking up the most oxygen in the room. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I use that a bit as the Rural Health Commissioner, but... I can't work if I don't have a full multidisciplinary team around me. And, um, you know, I learnt half of what I know from nurses and midwives. Uh, and if I don't have a strong, competent team around me, I can't do strong, competent work. Mm. So um, we, uh, we've learnt a lot from the focus on rural generalism in medicine. Um, Allied Health has been working in this and nursing is also beginning to focus on it too. But every profession brings its own lens to that discussion. Um, And I want to see uh, rural generalism uh, in its own form within nursing. We're beginning to talk about rural and remote nursing generalism um, in allied health. It's rural generalism in allied health. Um, I would really like to see um, strong 
pathways, training pathways established with industrial frameworks supporting them, so recognition for that skill set within each jurisdiction. One of the problems and challenges that we have in Queensland, though, is that the Queensland Rural Generalist Program has focused too much on hospitals. If you want to improve the health of a community, you provide excellent primary care. Um, Hospitals provide secondary care, look after sick people. Primary care is, is that care which is given by a general practitioner and the primary care team that they work within. So keeping you well. If we don't look after wellness, we get sickness. And if we want to turn around the health and well-being of rural communities, we need to improve the primary care teams that we have. Multidisciplinary primary care teams formed of rural generalists in all the branches of the health professions. And just as a final selling point, what were the adventures that you had? I mean, you went from being a little girl who grew up in Tatura, country town, to going to university, becoming a GP, camper down, wet and cold, then to the hot and humid in far north Queensland, to education, to advocacy. It's been an incredible journey. What keeps driving you? The the knowledge that along that way I've picked up skills you know, sometimes I watch somebody and I think, oh, you could be doing that. You could be so much more effective if you just did it a little bit differently. And and I think that because along that path I picked up skills. I just Some of the randomness of my life um, has actually given me skills that are really useful. I was a dreadful medical student who spent a lot more time doing things like debating and I wasn't actually in the involved in drama at uni but I had been at school and quickly became so in Camperdown and the skills that I learnt in that plus the general practice skills of somebody this person is smoking I want them to stop smoking how do I how do I how do I get inside their head and get them to change those kinds of skills are very useful in my in my current career. So the, you know, the debating I can formulate an argument on the turn of a dime uh, without much preparation, and I can keep on talking underwater, and I can bring people along with me. I can. I can inspire people. It's nice to be able to use that in something that I care deeply about. I really do get quite worked up. I don't see why people who who live in rural and remote communities cannot have the same access to healthcare that urban people do. And you know, and I think about myself. I know I know how those people work. The you know the people who make decisions in government. I know how they think. I know how they work. And, you know, I feel a deep responsibility to actually um, represent the, the, you know, my mob and, and um, get decisions made that will work for, the, for my mob, for rural Australians. Ruth Stewart, Adjunct Professor and National Rural Health Commissioner. You've been listening to Postcards from the Bush with Robin McConkie. Subscribe on your favourite podcast app, and leave me a review. Music was composed and presented by Luke Aidney.